You know, we're doing a series that we're asking the question, who are we? Who are we together? Who is Moraine Valley Church as a body? This isn't about who am I, this is who are we? And to do this, uh, to answer that question, we've been taking a look at our values as a church. And the value we're gonna look at this morning, you might think, really? Are you crazy? Let's get realistic. Us? Me? We? Moraine Valley Church? Because we're gonna talk this morning about being world changers. And the transformation is our destination. Leave that up for a minute, Pete. You hear that? World changers. That's a big assignment. And transformation is our destination. Guess what our goal? Our goal is not just to get more people to go to church. Our goal is not just to change behavior and morality. Our goal is really to see people at the core of their being totally changed, turned inside out and upside down at the core of who we are because that's what Jesus did. So how do we do something this big? And what I wanna do this morning is share with us who we are, where we're going, and how we're gonna get there in light of being world changers where transformation is our destination. Let me start with world changers. Yes, we really are world changers because of the call that God has put in our life. We learned about that just two weeks ago as we looked at uh, our mission is what drives us, and we saw that Jesus left us a mission that is designed to reach the world. It's a worldwide mission of making disciples. Actually, in Acts 1, he calls us to be his witnesses, Jesus' witnesses right there for them in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even the, the remotest part of the earth. So the call right from the beginning to his followers was to be his witnesses throughout the world. The make disciples of all nations we learned in Matthew. Matthew 5 says we are the light of the world. We believers in Jesus Christ are the light of the world. And we learn in 2 Corinthians 5 that we're ambassadors. You see, our mission is to lift high the name of Jesus in this world, his message, his work, his personhood. That's what we have been called to do. So, so guess what? We don't change the world, Jesus does. And as we bring him and the power of the gospel that can change a person at the core of the being as his ambassadors, as his light, as the ones who make disciples, as his witnesses, God does the work of changing us at the core of our being. Now, we're not world changers because we are uh, a big thinking church. We got a big dream, we're gonna change the world and we got a plan to do it. It's not because 
We are uniquely gifted and have great capacities and we're a special church, special different than other churches. No, it's really because that's what Jesus called and not only called, but we learned he actually ordered us and commanded us to do that. So we take it on because it's part of our identity. It's who we are, it's who we've been called to be and to do. And, and you know, the question for you might be like me is, how in the world, uh, th this is a big call. This is really big. But we gotta remember this. What God calls his people to do, God equips his people to do. You following me? So we gotta start there. You might be able to say, this is out of my league. We can't do this. Even Moraine Valley, how, how are we gonna change the world, Moraine Valley? What God calls us to do, God will equip us to do. For instance, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter three. 2 Corinthians chapter three. I'll give you a moment to get there. Paul's talking about the new covenant ministry that we now have. And listen to what he says in verse four. I still hear some people turning, so I'll give you a couple more seconds to get there. And this is what he says, starting in verse four. Such confidence we have through Christ towards God. In other words, here's the basis of our confidence, and our confidence is through Jesus towards God, not that we are adequate in ourselves. I can't do this. I'm not equipped in and of myself and anything from me. Even my best stuff, my best ideas, my best efforts, my best commitments, my best passion. It's not adequate to do the job that God has called us to do. So not that we're adequate in ourselves to consider anything is coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. Who has also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. You know, so the foundation we have to start with is God will equip us to do what he's called us to do. We've learned this in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, because if you remember this, the part of the Great Commission that so many people kind of leave off, they may even stop reading there, is we talk about how you know we're to go, we're to make disciples, we're to baptize, we're to teach everything. But listen to how we close it. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God's presence with us as you study through the different calls and missions that God gave to his people, it's always about God's presence with them to give them what they need to do it. And the promise of the Great Commission isn't just, here's this big job, go out and do it. No, I'm giving you myself. And we know that the Spirit of Christ now lives inside of each one of us to give us what we need. And so the promise of Jesus is to go with us and to be with us, Kathy, you talked about that last week. You know, God's promise, I'll be with you, Kathy. 
Can't tell you what the outcome's gonna be, but I can tell you I'm gonna be with you. And that's what he tells us when we face something as big as the Great Commission. Acts 1.8, we saw this two weeks ago. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Again, the Holy Spirit is given to us to equip us and give us the power and the ability to bring the message and the person of Jesus to the whole world around us. And I love these words Watchman Nee says. This is, uh, I try to live by this because this is my hope every day. Living in the Spirit means that I trust the Holy Spirit to do in me what I cannot do for myself. Isn't that what 2 Corinthians just told us? Not that I'm adequate in myself, but my adequacy comes from God. And he gives us his spirit to give us that. And so living in the spirit means that I trust the Holy Spirit to do me what I can't do for myself. This is completely different from the life I would naturally live of myself. Each time I'm faced with a new demand from the Lord, I look to him to do in me what he requires of me. It's not a case of trying, but of trusting not a struggling, but of resting in him. So the fact that we are world changers is part of our identity and our call, and yet God gives us what we need to do it. It's not because, again, of how big we are, but it's because of what Jesus does. And then we saw a second thing. World changers, transformation is our destination. Transformation is a big thing. I want you to understand how big that is. It, it, it comes from the Greek word called metamorpho, which we get the word metamorphosis from. The best illustration I've heard of it, some of you have seen the, the cartoons where the metamorphosis takes place. Um, I'm talking uh, the caterpillar into the butterfly, a total essential change at the core of its nature. I love the way that Vine's Dictionary defines this. Metamorpho or transformation is the undergoing a complete change which under the power of God will find expression in character and conduct. Morphe lays stress on the inward change. Look at the way 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Now, transformation what is happening here is as we're beholding the Lord, as we, I, I believe what this means is we behold him in his word, as we behold him in worship, as our minds are focused on Jesus, he's at work transforming us into the very same image of his glory. Now glory talks about the very essence of who somebody is. That's their glory. That's what we learned in um, Exodus. When God revealed his glory to Moses, he revealed who he was in his inner being. And so as we behold Jesus, as we focus on him as worship, as we focus on him and his word, as we put our minds and hearts 
we meditate on him and we we're there, something is happening inside of us and according to this verse, just as from the Lord the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is doing something deep in the core of our being to transform us at the innermost part of who we are where that transformation literally spills out into our life. That's really what transformation is. Now, again, as we stop and say that, that's a big, big task. That's, in a sense, our job is to bring the person of Jesus and the gospel message of Jesus to the lost world because it's Jesus who turns a person inside out and upside down at the core of their being. We can't. And, and even for one another, as we minister to one another and keep on reminding us to put our hearts and minds on Jesus and his word and worshiping him, we find that God does a work that only he can do. See, transformation is not an external conformity. And I'm not, I don't care whether that, you know, I'm not even talking about to world standards. I'm talking about the church standards. It's not even conforming my behavior so I act like everybody else in church does. Matter of fact, I'm going to say this. It's not even conforming my behavior to that what the scripture says. Because that can just be external stuff. The Pharisees are the greatest proof of that. I mean, the Pharisees not only sought to live out the word of God, they added all kinds of extra rules and commands to it. And this was Jesus' assessment to them. You look good on the outside, but you're full of dead man's bones. You see, transformation is something that happens at the core of our being where our behavior and attitude changes are the result or the fruit of an inward change rather than external conformity to something. So transformation is our goal. It's the essential nature of who we are at our core being changed to the degree that our attitudes are changed, our affections are changed, our desires are changed, our thoughts are changed. And again, it's not, well, I got, I got to think right, but it's because at the core of my being, I'm a different person. Therefore, all these things are different that come out in actions that are changed. So we see this is a big thing. This is a thing we value at Moraine because God has given us a call to uh, impact the world. And he's called us not just to get a, more people to come to church with us. But he's called us to see people's lives changed at the core of who they are. So how do we do that? Well, I'm gonna, here's some great wisdom for you. You may want to get ready to write this down. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you reach the world? One life at a time. You know, I, I, I like this uh, picture of a ladder here. And a lot of us, when we look at these big things and these big, uh, you know, how in the world are we going to do that? And we just give up and say, this is, you know, this is crazy thinking. Let's get realistic. Well, you know what? When you break down, when you don't get rid of the dream or the call, 
but rather you break it down into smaller steps, guess what? We can make it to the top. And we got to start to think, while we think globally, we need to act locally and locally within our sphere. And stick with me for a few minutes, because I want to try to explain this, and I hope I do it well. Because, you know, God has strategically scattered his church throughout the world. So, you know, when we start to think a little more realistic, Moraine Valley is not the only church in the world. And so to reach the world isn't just dependent upon Moraine Valley. But we need to think broad like that and consider and be thinking broad. So what God has done is strategically throughout the world has placed his churches throughout the world. And he has strategically uh, raised up organizations that are reaching different parts of the world. And he's got missionaries that are scattered throughout the world to do his work. We are one of those churches of the bigger picture of what God is doing in the world. And so when we start to think about this, we think about that. So I need to think of it this way for those of you that are sports fans. Football, you got an offensive line. You got some tight ends, you got tackles, you got guards, you got a center, right? Well, I played uh, guard when I was, uh, you know, played on the team. And so what happens is there was a guy who was lined up against the cross for me, and guess what? I was responsible for that guy. But the guy over on this end, guess what? The tight end on this end was responsible for him, and the tackle over there, and this tackle is responsible for this guy and the center for this guy. And sometime I'll try to tell you the coolest, funniest story I remember when the guy in front of me, he was, I'll tell it to you, just a little comic relief, man. I was in the military and I played on, played on our base team. It was, it was a game that was like the big game of, of the year. There were literally hundreds upon hundreds of soldiers on the side, drunk out of their minds, fights going on. I mean, this was a big, important game. And there was a big guy. When we got there, we're all going, I hope, I hope I don't get this guy. All us linemen were like, I mean, this guy was like the refrigerator. You know, he was that big. And uh, once you know it, go out for the first set, and who lines up across from me? And this guy is, he's killing me, man. He is killing me. I mean, he is all over me. He's batting my head and he's throwing me all over. And I'm, well, the guy who's next to me was my uh, commanding officer, Captain Hodges. He actually played in the old, uh, I can't remember if it was called the World Football League or something. They had some league that was going on. He actually played in there. So he was good. And he saw what was going on. He says, Peglo. I'll take care of him on the next play. And I'll tell you what, he went over, and I don't know what he did, but he, uh, he did something to this guy. So on the play after that, when I went out to block this guy after the play, he grabbed me by the throat and started to squeeze my throat, and he said, I'm going to kill you, boy. I'm like, thanks, Captain Hodges. I really appreciate this. So... What happened, fortunately, you know, if halftime came and I'm, I'm like, I'm gonna die, this is my day. 
Fortunately, I was a Christian at that time. I knew I'd go to be with Jesus. I thought, this was my day. And you know what? The only thing I knew to do was to be as quick as I knew how to be and as low as I could be. And I'll tell you what, for the next half, I, I literally went for this guy's ankles as quick as I could and repeatedly, by God's grace, I was able to do it that he actually had to leave the game out of injury because his legs hurt so bad by the end of the fourth quarter. Now that was one of the games where there were actually six people that left in ambulances afterwards. That's a typical Marine game. You know, the, the coaching or the refing is not quite the same. But here's the point. I had a guy I was responsible for. Uh, the center had a guy he's responsible for. Uh, we have the guard, you know, so we all have. Marine Valley Church has got some turf we're responsible for as we seek to win the game, so to say, of reaching the world for Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? Well, this is what God has done. Let, let's look at this value the way we look at it. World changers, transformation is our destination. We believe our world has changed one life at a time. Every life matters. Every moment is an opportunity. We are sent, the sent missionaries. You are missionaries. And I'm a missionary to bring the love and the life and truth of Jesus to our community and where we live. And so what God has done is this. As he has strategically scattered his churches and missionaries and organization plans throughout the world. And now Moraine has got its piece of turf in front of it that it's responsible for the southwest area of Chicago. Guess what God has done? God has strategically scattered you and me throughout the southwest area of Chicago. And now each one of us has a personal part of the turf to cover so that we can sort of say, make sure we make our block as part of the team of God's team of what he's doing around the world. And so we see that as you and I encounter one life at a time, and since we're all scattered throughout the different parts, we all have different territory and turf, just like Moraine's got the turf of the southwest area of Chicago, now you and I got specific little turfs within that area that God has scattered us throughout. And as each one of us is faithful to that call, and each one of us deal one life at a time with the people in front of us, and taking the opportunities that God gives us, and we act and speak in Jesus' name, this whole big thing, remember the smaller steps, eating an elephant one bite at a time, all of a sudden starts to make sense. I talked about this one other time before, but Samuel the prophet, and I know there's some people gonna help me hand out some cards. This would be a great time to do that wherever you may be seated. I wanna give you some resources to be able to think about here for a moment. But I'm gonna explain this as they're passing it out. But if you remember, Samuel had a circuit that he, um, that he continuously worked on. 
Matter of fact, when he died, we saw that Israel, uh, that all of Israel gathered to mourn him and bury him at his house in uh, Ramah. And so what we have is a guy who made a gigantic impact on the nation of Israel. Now I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 7. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 7. I want you to see something. Now remember, this is a guy that the entire nation was impacted by. Let me read 1 Samuel 7, verses 15 to 17. Now Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He used to go annually on circuit to Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah, and he judged Israel in all these places. Then his return was to Ramah, for his house was there, and there he judged Israel, and he built there an altar to the Lord. Now, when we study the context, we find out that Samuel actually for 40 years judged Israel. Now, we get a couple scenes along the way, some of the highlight reels of those 40 years of key moments in his life, um, a few. It isn't like it's 10 chapters of stuff about Samuel, but we see scattered out different highlight moments of what he had in his life. But this was his daily life for 40 years. A circuit that he would go on to these cities where he was continually faithful to do what God called him to do. Now, if you take a map, of these cities and you lay it out, they basically are in a circle right here, Rama over here, and then these cities build a circle. Let me tell you how big this circle was, just so you get a feel of it. If I was to use this spot right here as the pulpit, and we would take a rope and stretch it out five to six miles straight north, and we kept it here and we took that rope and continued for five or six miles around a circle, a circumference of 25 miles, basically that was it. So now you start to say, whoa, wait a minute. That's about as far as Chicago Ridge and Blue Island and Orland Park. And, you know, they, we kind of think, wow, we had this gigantic thing. He had a small territory where he lived, where he was faithful day in and day out for 40 years to do the call that God put on his life. Like uh, in the book that Jeff Mannion wrote, and he refers to this, he believes the secret to Samuel's life is a repeated circuit of faithfulness. So as each one of those churches, missionaries, organizations are faithful to the turf that God gave them to cover, as Moraine Valley Church is repeatedly faithful to the turf that he gave us in the southwest area of Chicago, and as each one, how do we get faithful? It's as each person within Moraine Valley Church is faithful to the turf that God has given you and to given me in our radius, our circuit of life. 
to make an impact on those around us, one life at a time, one opportunity at a time, as we encounter them and build relationship. Now, you should have by now a card here, which I'm calling My Circuit. And I'd encourage you to do this. I'm gonna give you a couple minutes here to start thinking about that, but I, I'd encourage you to complete it this week and keep this in your Bible and start to pray about your circuit. Now, if I thought about this earlier, I would have put in the corner, pray, and I put the word open there. Open a door. Open my mouth. Open their heart. Door, mouth, heart. If we could identify the circuit that God has put us on, let's break this down. Let's get it down to the lowest shelf and begin to pray that God would open a door of opportunity to either do an act of love in Jesus' name or to speak something of the truth of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as he opens the door, I open my mouth and we trust God to open their heart to be responsive. So I'd encourage you to think. Maybe the top two or three people. Who are the top two or three people that seem to be in my circuit at Moraine Valley that God would have? I'm not just talking about your good buddies, by the way. <laughs> you know, that I get to see every Sunday morning and say hi to. They're important and they're a part of But who, who is some of the circuit that God has given me that I seem to run into regularly that I can begin to be an instrument of God's transformation in their life? How about work or school? Who are the two or three? You know, I was so encouraged. I got to tell you guys, and you, you, it, is, it isn't just us, but, you know, a couple of months ago, I know Kim was talking to our granddaughter, Kaylee, and Kaylee was talking about a friend who she's been talking to and praying. I mean, Kaylee, how old is she? How old? Eight. Eight. See, I don't know the ages of my grandkids. I know their names, and that's really good. But... Uh, <laughs> She, she has got a friend that she's talking to and praying about because she wants to see him come to Jesus. And I know there's other kids doing that. This isn't, you know, this is a thing that each one of us, who are the people, it's, this was a school friend of hers, who are your school friends? Who are your work friends that you seem to come in contact with on a regular basis that don't know Jesus? How about your neighbors and friends? You know, we, we, God has strategically placed and scattered us throughout the southwest area of Chicago. And we got neighbors that don't know Jesus. And uh, some of us need to do the work of just getting to know their names, inviting them over for ice cream, and starting to build relationship in Jesus' name. Who are our friends and neighbors? How about family and relatives? Who are family and relatives of mine that need to know Jesus or to grow in Jesus, that I need to become more intentional and pray for those opportunities? How about just my community and what place I can play in my community? Maybe you even think, you know, I, I need to join a community group that they have, not just a Moraine Valley church group, but how about a group in my local community so I can start to build relationships with people in my community and make an impact on them? Who do I play with? 
who are the people I just hang and play with that don't know Jesus or need to grow in Jesus, and I, I can be an instrument for that. So I want to give you just a couple minutes to start to think. If you have a pen, start putting down some names. We need to identify our circuit. So like Samuel, our repeated faithfulness can make a difference, and God can use it to bring people to Jesus and to make believers even more like Jesus. So take a few moments. And remember again, I hope, if you don't remember, pray. Do open door, mouth, heart. Door is an opportunity, mouth is me to speak or act, and the heart is for them to respond. So I'll give you a couple minutes, then we'll close in worship. Begin to think through. What are some names you can put on here? Again, as each one of us is faithful to our circuit, that'll make Moraine Valley Church faithful to the area God has committed to us to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ and to help others grow. Love you guys. Let me close this in prayer. Father, I want to pray this, that uh, Lord, would you make us faithful to your call? And God, would you remind us that you have already resourced us because for some, uh, reaching the world isn't the big task. It's even introducing ourselves to our neighbors. Seems out of our league. Lord, we got a long ways to go. And I wanna pray, God, that you will do something in our hearts that Moraine Valley Church would be faithful to the call that you've given us to impact the world, to impact the world around us, to impact somebody's world. As we bring the name of Jesus to them, and Lord, we see you radically transform people at the core of their being. Lord, will you turn them inside out and upside down? Lord, people that act different because they're different. People that talk different because they're different. People that think different because they're thinking. People go to church now because I want to go to church, not because I'm supposed to. And so, Father, I just want to invite you to do a work in Moraine Valley Church, do a work in me and Kim. God, make us faithful to our circuit. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.